Amen. Hey, Psalm 78, if you have your Bibles. Psalm 78. If you don't have a Bible, it should be one on the seat back in front of you or around you somewhere. If you still can't find that, you will see the words on the screen in just a few moments. Psalm 78. A.W. Tozer once said that every new year is an uncharted and unknown sea. No ship has ever sailed this way before. The wisest of earth's sons and daughters, they cannot tell us what we may encounter on this journey. So here we are in the dawn of 2024, looking forward to new things, perhaps big things. It's a fresh start. It's a whole new year. It's a blank canvas. And so some of us have been making these New Year's resolutions. Now, of course, some of you hate this time of year because of the push for resolutions. As one man put it, my New Year's resolution is to stop hanging out with people who ask me about my New Year's resolutions. And maybe you've caught yourself saying that this week. But I do think goals and resolutions, being intentional with our time and resources, relationships, gifts, money, everything else is a good, wise thing. So maybe your goal for 2024 is to pray more on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, to pray more. Maybe it's to read more scripture. Perhaps to stay with one of our two Bible reading plans, which is still not too late to join. Maybe to stay with that past July. Or maybe for some of you past March. Still some of you past January, okay? You're with me. Maybe it's to serve in some new role. Maybe it's to tell more people about Jesus. Maybe it's to finally tell that coworker, that family member about Jesus. Maybe it's to eat better. Maybe it's to exercise. Maybe it's to watch less TV or spend less time on social media or have a better attitude or spend more time with the kids or the spouse or parents or friends or more time outside. Maybe it's to travel more. Maybe it's to travel less. Maybe it's to finish that project that's been sitting there for weeks or months or years hopefully not decades. With these resolutions, you are casting for yourself a vision. Whatever it is, whatever your goal, whatever your resolution is, you're casting for yourself or your family a vision. In a similar way, because I also believe it's a good wise thing for churches to do something similar, we're going to cast a generational vision for FBC Enid over these next couple of weeks. And not just for 2024, We're also going to see how the vision will impact and shape us beyond 2024. And a part of laying out this vision will involve looking at three C's. Culture, community, and construction. It will entail looking at the culture of FBC Enid. How are we going to practically and authentically create or continue to create and maintain a culture in which we are living light as children of the light, right? Ephesians 5, 8. Living the love of Jesus, just as he loved us. Living the way of Jesus under the lordship of Jesus. How are we going to practically and authentically create and maintain that? So it will entail looking at the culture of FBC Enid. It will also entail looking at the community of FBC Enid. How are we to practically and authentically continue to live the culture within the community of our church. 
How are we to express and embody light, love, and the way of Jesus towards one another? So it'll entail looking at the culture and the community of FBC Enid, but it'll also entail looking at the construction of FBC Enid. I, I wanted to put facilities here, but I needed another C, okay? So you got construction, all right? As a church and going forward, what are we to do with our facilities? It's been a long topic of discussion in FPC Enid life for many years. What are we to do with these facilities? Facilities. It's why we even have a vision team put together, evaluating and looking and being proactive with the facilities. But how are we to ultimately address the needs within and around our facilities in such a way that our facilities are in the best position possible to do what they're meant to do? facilitate ministry. That's what buildings are, to facilitate ministry. The church building is not the church. You're the church. The people are the church. So how are we to address those needs that helps put our facilities in the best position to facilitate ministry, not just now, but also in the future? That helps us to live the culture within our faith community of FBC Enid. Now next week, you want to come back next week, because we're going to examine these areas on a more practical level, because that's really when I'm going to begin to cast that generational vision for 2024 and beyond. But today, as a kind of foundational starting point, I want us to acknowledge two things. One, casting the vision is important, just as I think setting goals or resolutions are important for you or your family. But as we cast it and as we seek to live it as a church, we must remember that without Jesus, we can do nothing. That's what Jesus said in John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's why he calls us to abide in him continually. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. For example, in John 21, seven disciples are fishing. And they fish all night. Just imagine throwing that net over and over and over again. They fish all night, and they catch absolutely nothing. They catch nothing. The next morning, Jesus arrives. He speaks a word to them. Then they obey his spoken word. And then the result is they catch 153 fish. They do with Jesus what they could not do without Jesus. They do with Jesus what they could not do without Jesus because the presence of Jesus changes everything. He changes everything about your personal life, your marriage, your family, the relationships that you're connected with, friends, coworkers. He changes atmospheres. He changes cultures. He changes communities. The presence of Jesus changes everything. So let us acknowledge that without Jesus, we can do nothing. We can work really, really hard towards our goals. We can work really, really hard towards those resolutions or towards that casted vision. We can invest a lot of time. We can invest a lot of energy. We can invest a lot of money. We can prepare. We can plan. Yet if Jesus is not present, the vision will fail. If the vision is to bring glory to God and bring current and future generations to Jesus, which it should seek to do, as we'll see in this short-term series, If it's to do this, then the vision and the direction and execution of that vision had better be determined by and with Jesus. 
Yes, casting the vision is important. you got to throw the net in the water. But making sure Jesus is present, being the source and power behind that vision and its direction and execution is more important, as they learned in John 21. And so with that, number two, we also must acknowledge that our casted vision must think generationally. We must consider not just the past and the present, but most definitely also the future. So take a moment. This might be your first Sunday here. This might be like your thousandth Sunday here. This might be like you've been coming for decades, all right? But just for a moment, try to imagine FBC Enid in 2025. It's one year from now, right? Quarter of a century gone here, right, in the 21st century, right? Picture 2025. Now picture 2030, six years from now. Now 2040, 16 years from now. Now 2060, 36 years from now. I'll be going on 72. Some of you will be, we won't go there, all right? 36 years from now. What do you see? You're like, I'll, I'll be seeing Jesus. I'll be happy, all right? What, what do you see? What does the culture of this church look like? What does the community, the faith community of FBC Enid look like? What do the facilities look like? Now, some of you I know are thinking, A, that's impossible to imagine, or B, why should I care? I won't be here. However, that is not the perspective any Christian should ever adopt because it's not biblical. The biblical perspective is always about learning from the past, building on the past, but also engaging the present while anticipating the future. Healthy biblical churches are multi-generational churches, effectively reaching current generations and preparing for the generations not yet born. In other words, healthy biblical churches are diligently intentional about the present and the future. Because, as we see throughout Scripture, God passionately cares about a generational legacy. The generational legacy of His people. He cares about all generations, past, present, and future those not even born yet. So, with this coming casted vision, the generational vision for FBC Enid, as a kind of foundation today, we must first acknowledge that without Jesus we can do nothing, and we must think generationally. And it's number two that I want to really focus on, at least this morning. So look at Psalm 78. Psalm 78. We're just going to look at the first seven verses of this psalm. And this is what the psalmist writes. He says, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. You got a lot of noise in your ear. You got a lot of noise in your heart and mind. You got a lot of distractions. But focus on what I am saying. Verse 2 For I am going to speak to you in a parable, I will teach you. Hidden lessons from our past. Stories 
that we have heard and known, stories that our ancestors or our fathers handed down to us. And we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds or the works of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he, the Lord, issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God's, not forgetting His glorious miracles and not forgetting to obey His commands. Cloudcroft, New Mexico. I've talked about this little town in New Mexico before. The one with little stores, a little high school, a little ice skating rink, a little highway cutting through it like a snake. And when I was growing up, we'd go to Cloudcroft because about 10 minutes outside of the little town, there was a nine-hole golf course. And right about there, there was this two brown-bricked walls that functioned as the gate entrance to the golf course and to a neighborhood of cabins. And my grandparents owned one of those cabins. So growing up, we'd be there in the summers and winters, and every now and again, we'd be there with the whole, whole family, the whole extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, and every now and again, the weather would be just right while we were there to where at night we would surround a fire pit right outside the cabin, sitting on stone benches and little rock boulders or even metal chairs. But I can still remember the coolness of the mountain air at night, right? If you've been to the mountains at night, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I can still remember the smell of pine needles and burning wood. I can still remember the faces of my family just illuminated by the flickering flames around that fire. And so there we'd sit. Mostly us kids would just listen. We would listen to jokes that went well over our heads We would listen to the adults talk about current events or things happening in their lives that also went well over our heads. But then at some point, the conversation among the adults would switch. And they begin to tell stories. In the same way you might have done this over the holiday break. They begin to tell stories, stories of their past. When my grandparents were like my age or younger, before they had kids, before there were marriages, before cabins and before grandkids and old jobs and old houses and old events and old trips and old conversations. Stories that had shaped them. Stories that had changed them. Stories that had inevitably led them to those stone benches in the middle of the mountains outside a little town called Cloudcroft. They were simply sharing with us, whether they knew it or not, they were sharing with us the to the next generation, if you will, who they had been, where they had been, what they had done, and how all of that had come together and brought them and us to that night on those stone benches before the fire. 
What the psalmist is in essence saying is that's how we learned the old, old story. That's how we came to know our past. Through stories that we have heard and have come to know. Stories that our ancestors, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents handed down to us. Stories about who God is. About everything God did among our specific family, Israel, but also the history of humanity in the world. How the Lord worked in the past through floods and plagues and dreams and covenants to bring about the present. How he brought us to this moment. Therefore, he's in essence saying, we like them are to continue that legacy with the current and future generations. So that we too and they too would continue that legacy with the next and then they, the next, and so on, and so on, and so on. So we must not hide these truths from our children. We must sit around fires, and living rooms, and sanctuaries, and classes, and shops, and restaurants, and we must tell the old, old story. We must tell the next generation about the glorious works of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders, for He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. We must do this so that the next generation might actually know them. Even the children not yet born. And they in turn would then teach their own children. You say, for what purpose? So that each generation would set its hope anew on God. Not forgetting His glorious miracles and not forgetting to obey His words. So now years have passed. My family does not even own that cabin anymore. That nine-hole golf course closed. It's just an, basically an overrun set of fields. And now here I am. I'm married. Three kids of my own, some of them the same age as I was around that fire. And I have now stories of my own, of trips and conversations and events, old houses, Stories before there were marriages or kids. Stories that have shaped me, changed me, and have inevitably led me to this stage on this particular morning with you. Stories that Stephanie and I are beginning to now tell our kids, sometimes even around the flickering flames of a fire. And one day, my kids, Noah, Caroline, and Hannah, will grow up And they'll have kids of their own, God willing, and they'll share their own stories, stories about who they were, where they had gone, what they had done, and how all of that had brought them to that moment with their kids and their families. But either way, my prayer is that they have the wisdom to see and know how my stories have impacted and led to their stories, how my stories were impacted and led by my parents' stories, how my parents' stories were impacted and led by their parents' stories, and so on and so on. I pray that they have the wisdom to see and know that they are part of a generational legacy, much bigger than themselves. A legacy that has been built one brick at a time, one block at a time, one decision, one life, one event, one generation at a time. And here's the thing. That's really where every family is. We could do the same with your family. Regardless of circumstances and conditions, we could do the same with your family. Your family is like a generational legacy. 
A legacy that goes back decades upon decades upon decades upon decades. A legacy built on stories of the past. A legacy being currently shaped by your own stories and my own stories. A legacy that will be full of future stories. And it's not just true of our families, individual families, but it's also true of our specific church. FBC Enid is a lot like a family. Because that's in essence what a church is. A church is simply a family, a group of people, a community of Jesus followers who have been born again, who regularly meet together and do life together and worship the Lord together, people who are in Christ and following Christ together. We're a group of people sharing stories of who God is, stories of what he's done throughout history and throughout our church, stories of what he's doing, stories of what he will do, simply just sharing the old, old story. And our generation, those of us sitting in the room today, is a part of FBC Enid's generational legacy, which is over 100 years old. A legacy that has been built one block, one brick at a time, one generation at a time, not by us, but by God himself in and through us. And the question is, just as it is for every generation within a family or within a church, is what will our legacy be? What will the next generation say about our generation? And my prayer is that they would say, man, they learned from the past. They built on the past. They didn't get stuck in the past. Man, they did everything they could to engage the present and anticipate the future. Man, they did everything to teach us Scripture. They taught us hidden lessons from our past, stories that we've heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. My prayer is that they would say that we did not hide these truths from them, that we told the next generation about the glorious works of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders, because that's what He commanded us to do, to teach them to our children, so that the next generation might know them, even those not yet born, and so that they, would, in turn, would teach their own children, so that each generation would set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and not forgetting to obey His commands. So here's the thing. Ultimately, no matter what the vision of FPC Enid looks like, as far as culture, community, and construction, we must first acknowledge that without Jesus, we can do nothing. And we must also think generationally. Because God thinks and works generationally. And His faithful mercy and love extends to the thousandth generation. We are part of a generational legacy, much bigger than ourselves. A legacy that has been built one brick at a time, decision, life, event, generation at a time. And ultimately, we are called to continue the work of the Lord in and through FBC Enid. It's ultimately about continuing to declare and present and teach the work of the Lord throughout history and throughout the history of FBC Enid. To the best of our ability... For what purpose? So that the good news of Jesus would stretch beyond ourselves, beyond these walls, beyond our generation, and well into the next generations, even to those not yet born, so that they too would set their hope anew on God, not forgetting the old, old story, not forgetting to obey His commands, so that they too would continue the legacy of FBC Enid and the legacy 
of the gospel ministry of Jesus. And let me tell you why it matters. A few years back, before I even started pastoring, Stephanie and I had just gotten married. We moved back to Oklahoma City from Fort Worth. I was still in seminary. Stephanie was teaching. And I was now looking for ministry work. Volunteer, paid, it didn't matter. I was just looking for ministry work while I was in seminary. And I somehow got connected with this local interim pastor. He was a retired pastor, and he was filling in temporarily at a church in the north part of Oklahoma City while they searched for a full-time pastor. I somehow get connected with him. We have lunch together, and he's telling me about the church that he is the interim pastor at, a church that used to be a very prominent church in North OKC, a church that used to run 800 to 1,000 people, a church that was currently, at the time of our lunch, running 50 people. He proceeded to, after lunch, take me to the church building and show me around. And it was massive. And there was a family life center. There was a gym and a massive kitchen and all these classrooms. And he took me to the main facility, walked me through the worship center, the sanctuary, and took me to multiple levels of their education building and showed me the offices and showed me to the parlor and all these kind of things. And it was the most eerie, weird experience of my life. Because it was literally like I stepped back into time into a place that had once been occupied by like a thousand people, but overnight was abandoned. Left as is, even the curtains and the color and all that kind of, just left as is. It was like walking through a ghost town. You could just sense, man, life used to be here, but life hasn't been here for some, some time. Eeriest, weird experience of my life, because that church once prominent, once active, once full of people, was on its deathbed. And as I got to know the story more, it's all because in many ways they had stopped continuing the legacy. The legacy of their individual church, yes, but really of the gospel ministry of Jesus. They stopped intentionally finding new ways to minister to and reach their ever-changing community around them with the good news of Jesus. They stopped learning from and building on the past, instead got stuck in the past. They stopped engaging the present while anticipating the future. They stopped carrying the baton, so to speak. As George Washington Carver once said, listen, where there is no vision, there is no hope. But it's also, as the Bible puts it, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Meaning, when it stops, when the story stops, when they stop knowing it and living it, when the legacy stops, people cast off restraint. They give up, they turn aside. Keep reading through the rest of Psalm 78 because it's a lesson for us to learn from the past. They end up abandoning the ship, so to speak. They end up abandoning the Lord. They end up leaving a building never to return again. So 10 years from now, 20 years, 30 years from now, 
What does FBC Enid look like? What will they say about this generation? Man, they kept learning from and building on the past. They kept engaging and anticipating the future. We must continue the legacy, just as those did before us. Just as you wouldn't be in here today without them. So those yet born may not be in this room without you. We must continue the legacy just as those did before us because future generations depend on it, generations not yet born. So with this coming casted vision, this generational vision for us, the foundation is we must have first acknowledge without Jesus we can do nothing. And number two, we must think generationally. And I can think of no better way to finish this than partaking in the Lord's Supper together. A reminder that without Him we are nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. A reminder of what He did for us on the cross. A reminder of the fact that that story has been handed down and handed down and handed down some 2,000 years. A reminder to be thankful for all that God has done in and through Jesus. All that He is doing and all that He will do. To be thankful for the generations who have continued to pass the story down. The Word of God down to us. To pass the stories of God down to us, the commands of God down to us, those who faithfully continue the legacy of the gospel ministry of Jesus, even those generations of FBC Enid. For it has all led to this moment in this room today, in which we will gather before a cup and a piece of bread. So let us draw near to Jesus and set our hope anew on him, and let us be thankful and let us continue the legacy. So with heads bowed, eyes closed right now, I'm going to have Lisa come forward. She's just going to play for us. This is a time for us just to get our hearts and minds in the right spot before we partake of the Lord's Supper together. Paul talks about not partaking of it in an unworthy manner. Yes, it's for believers, those in Christ. But man, if our heart, we just got to get our hearts and minds right. If there's anything we got to confess, anything that we've not been obeying on. Let's confess those sins to him, knowing he's faithful and just to forgive us those sins, but also knowing that there's nothing that can separate us from his love. He proved his love for us on the cross. He showed us his love for us on the cross. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And as we pray and get our hearts and minds right, I just want to read these words to you. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it is true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story, more wonderful it seems, than all the golden fancies of all my golden dreams. I love to tell the story. It did so much for me. And that is just the reason... I tell it now to thee. Let us continue to tell the story of Jesus, not just now, but also going forward. Father, we come to you right now. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor. 
Lord, set our hope anew on you. Turn our hearts and our minds to you. Lord, we are thankful for everything that you have done in and through the past, what you're doing in and through the present, and what you are going to do in and through the future. We thank you most of all for Jesus, who we are in Christ. We thank you for his life, his death, his body given, his blood poured out for us. We thank you for his resurrection. We thank you for the hope that you give us in Christ, the new life. We thank you for those who have gone before us, who have continued the legacy of the gospel ministry of Jesus. We thank you for those, even of FBC Enoch, the generations before us. We wouldn't be in this room today without them. We thank you for them. Lord, as we partake of this bread and cup together, give us pure and holy hearts and minds. Forgive us of anything in our hearts and lives that we need to confess. And may we just be thankful that we have assurance in Jesus that there is now no condemnation for us. We stand redeemed, restored, forgiven. Your sons and daughters. So let this be an act of worship and praise to give you thanks. I'm going to invite our deacons to come down as we get ready to partake.